Hello, and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel. This is the show where we get to talk about sports, we get to talk about business, and we get to talk about everything in between. Wherever you are, however you're listening, you know what to do. If you're on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and like. If you're on Spotify, we have video Spotify, just me and Joe Rogan. I keep telling everybody that. Make sure to five-star, right, Greg? That's what I'm saying. It's just literally video just Video Spotify? Tool. I didn't even know that was a thing. It's just me and Joe Rogan. I don't know how That's I got cool. it. I talked to somebody, <laughs> and it's working out, so I'm going to keep rolling with it. Five-star right, review there. We're going to talk about that afterwards. Love it. Yeah, please do. That'll be fun. Or we can talk about it during. Who cares? Okay. Uh, five-star yeah. review on Apple. And I don't know. Wherever else you're listening, you know what to do. The important part is today, my incredible guest, I have Greg Larnard. He's an on-air personality at ESPN Chattanooga 95.3 through Brewer Media. What's like the, like, I don't know. What do you say every time you sign off? Like, what do you what do you say? See, I don't really have like a, well, I guess my sign off thing would be um, thank you to, I thank all the guests because I usually have guests on every single Makes day. Sense. And then I say, you know, thank you to the listeners, the callers, the contributors. Oh, no. Couldn't Hard do it without y'all, Rich, you know, you know, tuning in or tuning in or whatever it may be. So, like, that's sort of my sign off. And then I just, peace and love. We're out. Peace and love. I love that. That's fantastic, man. Um, I guess, like, what's the <laughs> radio station, right? Like, Oh, this you're listening to 95.3 ESPN Chattanooga. Is there like a yeah, it's just um it used to be 1051 the fan, uh, which was kind of cool. 953 the fan doesn't really have the same sort of rolling off the tongue. Mm -hmm. So it's just you're listening to ESPN 95.3, you know, there's nothing nothing okay. crazy, nothing big about right. it. Uh, in terms of like a one. slogan or yeah. something like that, but yeah, just, you know, 95.3, uh, and then, of course, the, the word with G, and that's me. Love it. The word with G, that's fantastic. And, yes, Greg, I'm very excited to have you here. Most of those opening questions just kind of make no sense, and it's just fun, right? We're just going – we're just here for a little back and forth. The first question – entire time. That's what I'm talking about. The first question I have for yeah, everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, Greg, why do you love sports so much? It's just something that I think was instilled in me from a very young age. I've always been an athlete playing sports, doing that. It's just been something that's almost been, like I said, ingrained in me from a very young age. I was the, the firstborn and, you know, I just sort of gravitated towards hanging out with my dad. And he was a big Mets and a Knicks fan. So I just automatically, but unfortunately, the Mets and the Knicks. Um, but my football team, I ended up becoming a Green Bay Packers fan, but the only thing my dad taught me was to dislike the Cowboys back in the early to mid-90s. So, uh, yeah, yeah, never a bad thing, uh, for sure. You either love them or you hate them. And, um, you know, I grew up playing baseball and basketball and did a little dabble, did a little tennis, a little soccer, just anything to stay active and compete. You know, I just – I love the competitive nature of sports, and I knew my goal was always to play sports. I, I always wanted to be a professional athlete, get paid to play a game. Basically, would be it would have been amazing. But you know, I figured if I couldn't do that, then I wanted to stay around sports in in some capacity. But just growing up, just always had the the, the fire and desire and the you know the, the uh, competitive spirit, um, and that's really how I got into uh, loving sports. You know, just, just watching it. My dad loved it, so you want to be like your dad. So I was always. Uh, I was always trying to be like that and always just kind of fell in love with sports. You'll love to see it. Yeah. Uh, LFGM very much. So my mom, uh, my, my late grandmother, actually both big Mets fans. So that's what got me into baseball. That's what got me into being a Mets fan. And nice. man, it's, uh, it's, I knew I liked you. 
Yeah, it sucks though. I just I hate being a Mets fan. I'll never. I'm gonna force my kid to do it, but like it's, it's like it's a really character. A love, it's a love hate relationship, you know. Like the highs, they're few and far between, but they're so freaking high. Yep. And then the lows are, you know, most of the time they're pretty bad and they're pretty low. Uh, I actually had a uh, a professional baseball player on my podcast here last night, and uh, he was telling me just like I asked him about the Mets because he got drafted by the Braves and played a couple years with the Braves, and um, I just asked him, I was like, "Hey, did you ever have any interaction with anybody on the Mets?" I'm just, you know, I'm being a big baseball guy, Mets guy. I really wanted to know, and and he was like, "You know." couple of guys here and there, you know, nothing bad to say about anybody, but he was just kind of like, there's almost like a dark cloud over that organization. There has been for a long time with the, uh, with the will ponds. And hopefully he's like, hopefully Steve Cohen can bring in an usher in a new era and just bring a new energy about this team. And sometimes that's how it happens. And I feel like James Dolan is doing the same thing with the Knicks, but you know, just can't wait for him to get out, get out of New York as well. <laughs> I might take I might take a couple more minutes uh, for James Dolan, but yeah, yeah, thankfully the Wilpons are gone, uh, and yeah, we can spend Uncle Steve's money now. It's unlimited yes. checkbook. It's been pretty sweet so far. I've been enjoying it. So hopefully, we keep moving in that direction. And so I guess like obviously wanting you know being like your dad as you said, watching all the same games, like all that that is well and good. Wanting to be an athlete, right? I wanted to play baseball growing up when I was twelve, and now look at me, I'm five ten, you know, one seventy soaking wet, five ten. I'm what five 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 seven somewhere around there. I don't really know how tall I am. Soaking <laughs> wet, I'm on a good day. Yeah, I, I, on a very good day. Soaking yeah. wet, I'm 170 pounds. So really not not doing too much in in terms of professional sports. Where did the love of hosting or where did the love of being on air, talking into a microphone, where where do you even accidentally fall into that? Because I feel like that's not even a purposeful thing most of the time. No, it's, it's, it's sort of different. And well, now it's becoming more prevalent, but like back in the day, um, in like the mid two thousands, it wasn't really that big of a deal, but going back to my dad, and this is going to be a, a main theme here throughout our conversation is that whenever, you know, as I was growing up, he realized my love of sports and he, like I said, loved sports and we would always listen to sports talk radio somewhere. It was WFAN every single day we were in the car together and you know back then they had the knicks on their air they had the mets on their air so like we listened to all the games listen to you know mike and the mad dog steve summers Evan roberts show beningo oh dude smooth is the best um and i'll get into that story uh, about him as well i have plenty of smooth stories for you as well but just getting a chance to listen to all those guys adam shine back in the day um i just i, I kind of fell in love with listening to sports as well as watching it and that's sort of rare for somebody who's, you know, less than a teenager or a teenager where, you know, kids are playing video games and they don't want to listen to the radio and CDs were big back then. And then, you know, the MP3 players with the iPods and stuff. And here I am, like, just taking a, a an old school radio out to the porch at night and listening to Mets Dodgers on the West Coast at like 11 o'clock on a summer night, like, or going to sleep, you know, with, uh, with my boombox on tuned into Steve Summers at night, just falling asleep to the radio, like. I was that big into sports talk radio from a very young age. And like I said, if I couldn't be an athlete, I always knew that I wanted to do something within sports, but I didn't know if it was going to be sports business, sports marketing, something along those lines. So I just remember one day I didn't have my license yet. I think I was like a junior or maybe a sophomore in high school. And um, my dad was always somebody who was like, hey, think about what you want to do before you get to college. You don't get to college and waste your four years trying to figure out what you want to do. 
at least have an idea of what you want to do when you go to college. So I was always sort of thinking about it. Like I said, business, sports marketing, something like that. And then one day I can remember sitting in the front seat of my dad's car and we we're listening to sports talk radio. And it was like that light bulb moment where the light just went on. Like I could do this for, I would love to talk sports for a living. Like that's what I want to do. And like from that point on, when I was 14, 15 years old, whatever it was, that's what I sort of made it my passion and my dream and my purpose to really chase and really go after it. The next steps were, how do I do that? How do I get there? Yeah, and and right, like that's it's an awesome story because it's so true, right? Like what what kid or what what person that loves sports as much as you know you and I do is like I I think I could do this, right? Like I think I could talk about sports all day. Like it's obviously, as you know, much harder than you know you probably thought it was or continue to think it is. But at the same time, I'm curious, right? So this is, you know, you're you're. A little older than me so you're in your early 30s we'll call it if that's okay yeah, um, yeah no early 30s is accurate <laughs> we're not lying to anybody I'm not lying too. just want to make sure just want to <laughs> make sure um no but like now it's super easy right like i just download an app i bought a 30 dollars microphone and all my laptop has every laptop on planet earth now has a camera it's really not that hard to create a podcast it's actually easy it's almost too easy now everybody especially during the pandemic everybody started a podcast i guess like when when you're looking into this at a young age, like how do you start to actually decipher that? Cause right. It's really easy now. If you want to get into it, start a YouTube page, start a podcast, start talking into a microphone, figure it out back then there, you know, this is 2000, what 2008, nine, 10, somewhere around there. Like mm-hmm. none of this it was stuff like was 2006. Okay. Even further, yeah, even smartphones further didn't even exist yet. So like yeah. you couldn't, you couldn't take <laughs> out your phone and record. How do you even go about figuring out like, okay, well, I guess this is my next step because it was such a yeah. small industry at the time. As you said, WFAN is iconic, but outside of New York, it's not nearly as big, or at least back then it wasn't nearly as big as it was, as it is now. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And basically what I did was I got involved with a bunch of my friends in high school were hockey players. And I was close with one of our guidance counselors who was the PA announcer for that. And um, we had a nice group of friends. There was like probably 20 of us or so, 15 to 20 of us that were like really close in high school. And um, we got a group of us to work like the penalty box. Like one would, you know, on each side would handle the penalty box there was a couple in the middle that would do stuff, the scoreboard, you know, the pucks or whatever. And I was over there as well. And I got to play DJ. And this is nice. I'm dating myself so bad because I grabbed that same boom box that I had that I listened to like games and stuff with. I would make a mix CD of like all like the songs that I wanted to play throughout the game or when somebody scored a goal. And I literally just had a couple of CDs. I'd pop them in the boom box. I'd plug the aux cord right into the boom box. And that's how you play music. And so I was the DJ for that. And every once in a while, the guidance counselor would allow me, because he knew my goals and my aspirations, he would allow me to jump on the microphone and do a little PA. So that's really my first uh, taste of it, where mm-hmm. I got to go on a microphone and talk to an audience. Like that was very, very young. It didn't start with a podcast or anything like that, which, as you alluded to, is very doable now and everybody under the sun is doing it because it's you know it's so easy and it's fun and it's you know it's just enjoyable and podcasts have become so so huge and so that's that's really how i started before i got to college 
That's awesome. Uh, shout out that guidance counselor for letting you do that. Yeah, Mr. Tolson. Thank you, Jeffrey Tolson. Appreciate Mr. you. Tolson, appreciate you. We'll, we'll make sure to tag him in the show notes somewhere. <laughs> so I guess like with that then, so do you go to, you, you, you have your dreams, you have your goals, you have your aspirations, you want to start talking on the radio. Again, it's much harder. Did, did you realize what you were getting yourself into, I guess? Like, was that, because you probably just thought like, shit, I'll like, I'll go to school and then I'll get a job at, you know, the fan or I guess maybe ESPN in New York and you know, we're off to the races. I, I bet it wasn't quite that easy though, huh? No, it was, uh, it was quite difficult. And, um, just to kind of, I'll jump into college cause that's where really my, yeah. my radio career started. But in, in high school, you know, I was, a, I was an athlete and I played basketball, right? Um, you know, my junior year, I ended up getting cut from the basketball team. Devastating blow, a devastating blow. Like I, it was, it was terrible. Um, cause I, I loved my first love was always basketball more than even baseball. And I ended up playing baseball in college, but you get cut my junior year and there was all kind of politics involved. Like I wasn't the best, but like I certainly deserved to be on the team. And then, you know, a uh, junior year for baseball, same things, politics. I wasn't the best player in the world, but I got cut from high school baseball my junior year as well. And it was just like this watershed moment of, of, you know, it has nothing to do with sports media or my sports radio career. But like it was one of those moments where it was like the chip just sort of grew on my shoulder of like, you know, people are going to tell you you can't do things or they're going to not allow you to do things because they're in a certain position of power. But you have to find a way to persevere if it's what you really want. And as I got you know older and I became a senior, I didn't try out for the basketball team again because I just didn't even want to deal with that. I just wanted to, I played Parker Rec basketball, just want to have fun because I loved it. And then I went back and I tried, I worked real hard that summer for baseball. I realized, okay, this is going to be my path if I want to play college sports and um, had a played on a summer team, you know, learned a ton about the, you know, hitting and throwing and fielding mechanics. And I was really, really good teacher and a really good coach, Joe Annucci there in Connecticut. And um, he was awesome. And I learned more about the game. You know, my dad was always my coach growing up again, that my dad coming up as the theme here. And um, and I learned so much about he learned he 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 gave me a solid foundation of the fundamentals. But then this my my guy, Joe Iannucci, just took it to a whole new level in terms of the, the mechanics of how everything works and why we do what we do. And so I just started to understand baseball at a whole new level, which was awesome for me. And you as a baseball guy, I'm sure you would appreciate it as well. And, um, you know, I tried out again my senior year and didn't make it again. And um, again, the chip just continued to grow bigger. And that was one thing that I really wanted to try when I went to college is I really wanted to get an opportunity to play baseball somewhere uh, as well as do the audio and the radio and, and broadcast journalism and things like that. So I did a college search with my guidance counselor and um, came up this, this place called SUNY Plattsburgh, Plattsburgh, New York. And I was like, where the F is Plattsburgh? I've never... <laughs> Never heard of Plattsburgh. And my dad said, you know, he looked it up and he's like, you know, it's way upstate New York. It's near Montreal. It's cold. It snows a lot. I'm like, F that. Like, I really, I want no part of that. It's not where I want to go. He was like, well, look, like I was looking at the roster. You know, it seems like they have a couple of older first basemen. Maybe you get an opportunity there in a year or two. And they have a good audio radio broadcasting you know, thing. So I was like, okay, you know, uh, we'll, we'll go check it out. So I contacted the coach. They had me up there with like, you know, seven or eight other families. And um, we go up there, we tour the campus, we meet with the coaches and whatnot. And, um, and so we're in the 
the gym, like the field house and the field is like back in the woods. So you had to drive there and the coaches were like, Hey, you know, we have room for one parent player combination in, uh, in our car to drive back to the, the field. Does anybody want to ride with us? And my dad's hand shot up like a missile. And I'm like, what are you doing? Put your, put your hand down. Are you kidding me? I don't want to like, you know, I, I, we can just yeah. drive, but you know, uh, so they, you know, my dad was the first one. We ended up going with them. I was a little bit embarrassed, but, you know, we got a chance to have a little one-on-one time with them to the field. We get there, we talk about it, we see it, and we drive back a little bit more one-on-one time. And then the next day, um, yeah, I couldn't stay over. They wanted me to stay over for an overnight visit. And this is just a D3 school. It's nothing crazy. I just wanted to keep playing. And um, and so the next day I get in, you know, my dad gets an email from the assistant coach and, um says, hey, it was great to meet you. We'd love to have you back for an official visit to stay over, whatever, see what it's like, meet the team and everything. And uh, and right off the bat was like, if you choose to attend school here next year, we'll, we'd love to have you on the team. Like, we will give you a spot on the team. And I was like, sign, sealed, delivered. I am going to SUNY Plattsburgh. I don't care if it's in the middle of Antarctica. I, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I wanted to play baseball. I wanted to uh, have that athlete feeling and also wanted to – do the broadcast journalism stuff, which, you know, like I said, was really prevalent and very good as well. So that's how I ended up at Plattsburgh. And honestly, like my first year there, I was just sort of, I actually had a stress fracture in my back. So I couldn't play my entire fall fall season. And they still kept me on the team, which was thank goodness for that. And for them, those saints and Chris Dory and uh, Mike Bergman, but um, they kept me on the team. And my first year, like I was just dealing with that trying to get used to a new surroundings, school, college, the whole thing, the whole life. So I didn't even jump into radio my first year. I took broadcast journalism classes. That's what what my major was coming in. And then my second year, I ended up getting into the radio station. I was like, okay, I'm comfortable now. It's time. Let's get into the radio business, uh, radio side of it. And so I started in with the radio station and, you know, we were doing, you know, one show a week and, um, it was really just mostly music at, at first. And I dabbled a little bit talking sports, but it was an uncomfortable thing, like trying to talk on the radio for the first time ever and, you know, try to, you know, work the uh, the board and, and the, the levels up and down and things like that. And um, so it was just quite the crazy experience, just trying to get into it at first and then it ended up growing. And, and at that time, like it wasn't, we didn't even have the radio show online. And the only way yeah, you right. could record a show was by grabbing, you know, a uh, a cassette tape and putting it in a boombox and then pressing record when your show was about to start. That's how old little I di- am. Yeah, a little. Yeah, you see, I told you early 30s. Sure. Whatever you say, man. Um, But no, it's sincerity, right? Like it's it's pretty wild how how things have changed so drastically. Right. Just to the opportunity that's like, I just want to start a podcast for fun. So I did. And like back then you had to do go through the whole thing just to be able to go on the radio for the first time and get yourself on air, which is really cool, but still had the opportunity to do it. Obviously it worked out pretty well. If this has turned into your career Uh, and shout out to those coaches, shout out to that team, shout out to everybody that gave you that opportunity to allow you to continue to do what you love and play baseball, but also give you that opportunity to potentially, you know, get into the radio side of things, which again, you did do, which I think is awesome. And so after college or, or even during college, I mean, this is your story. I'm not trying to tell it for you. 
But like where where then is the where are those first internships? Where are those first like, yeah, it's cool to be on a college radio station. But like I was mm -hmm. on a college radio station and I had nothing to do with broadcast journalism. I was just like, this sounds like fun. Let me try it out. So like what's I guess what are those like next few things that you get to do where it's like, all right, well, this is this is, the you know, the the operation of order, like the order of operations like, the, OK, cool. I, I went here. I did this now. Now, what do you go do? What are the, some of those internship looks like? What are those first jobs look like? Where you're there, you're just like, all right, like I want to be on the radio, but I'm, you know, I don't know. It's the midnight shift, and I'm doing this terrible job. Like, what are what are those like? I want to know the grind. Okay, yeah. So I started my first internship after I was doing some stuff on on college radio for a little while and doing my own show, trying to figure out the mix between music and talking sports and you know playing baseball and just kind of that whole balance of it all and getting used to it and getting comfortable with it. My first internship was at a radio station in, I believe it was Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, I was I was like ESPN. I don't even remember the numbers of the station. Um, we'll just call it ESPN Hartford or whatever it was uh, at the time. I don't think it's I think it's like Fox Sports now, but it was ESPN at the time. And you know, uh, I was searching around. It was like my I want to say my junior year, going into senior year, like that summer. I was doing an internship, and it was like two maybe three days a week i think it was two days a week i had to drive in from connecticut it was about you know 40 50 minutes you know drive in and back you know both ways and um you go in there and it was middle of the day it wasn't like the graveyard shift overnight anything like that because they weren't a big station but they were looking for interns just to help out you know with the one live show that they had there was a program director yep. and then there was an on-air host that's it. That's all they had. It was afternoon drive. I think it was like three to six or two to six or whatever it was. It was this with this guy, Paul Nanos was his name. And I think he now does, or at least he used to, I'm not sure if he's still at uh, CBS sports radio network or, you know, whatever they are, Odyssey now I, I, they've changed so many times at this point and are calm to Odyssey. I don't even know what they're calling themselves at this point, but um, I know he was doing some on air shifts there, but he was, he was there. He was the uh, host. And then Rich Cook was the, was the producer. And, um, you know, me and this guy, John Moses ended up getting hired as the two interns. And we just kind of split days back and forth and we would come in and uh, we would check in with Rich, the producer, the pro program director. And we'd just kind of talk about the day, what, what they were going to be talking about, you know, what we could do. And we'd go into this back little studio production studio and grab some sound and cut it up for, you know, him and Paul to use on the radio show. And, um, after that we'd sit, literally in a hallway outside of rich's office on a computer with a phone and we could screen calls from out there and then i would just i am him uh rich the um the the name and, and the topic and where they were calling from and that's kind of what my job was was it was cut up audio go and hang out sit during the live show listen to the show and then uh, just screen calls or look up information if uh, if he's struggling with something if rich can't find it if you need help with anything or go grab some audio if, if we're looking for something specific. So that's really where I started. It was the summer of 2011, I believe it was. That was the, the first time that I really got an opportunity to do anything. And then coming back that year, oh, actually, to, to fast. No, and that, yeah, that next season, that next year, I uh, I did a radio show with one of my good buddies who was, who was in broadcast journalism with me as well. Actually, let me rewind just a second before I got to that internship. I actually changed my major from broadcast journalism to audio radio production. I think 
my second semester junior year. So not advisable to change your major that late, yeah, but that was pretty late. Yeah, it was a small adjustment though. So like I had all most of the, the the core classes that I needed to graduate with that major, but there were like three classes that I didn't have and I needed to take in succession. So you know, I was happy, my dad not so happy that I had to be there an extra semester, which was great. Uh, because then I didn't have to worry about playing baseball. It was just like, hey, I came back for one semester. I got a chance to be like a regular student and uh, see what that life was like, but still kind of hang around the baseball team without going to the practices and things like that. So to fast forward again now to after that internship, I changed my major. I was taking these classes. One of my buddies, Tom DeCelestino, who actually works behind the scenes at CBS Sports Radio Network now as well as like a producer, board operator. And um, I think he's works on the um, – Tiki and Tierney show. I'm not sure if he moved over with them to FAN because I think they're on FAN now, if I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. So um, him and I were doing a show together, and that's really where the word with G came from, my show name, because we named it the word with G and Tommy D. That was our name of our show. And, you know, we did that for the entire year. I was the sports director at the time for the station. And um, we did our show once a week. And you know, I, I was in charge of coordinating shows and, you know, the sports lineup. And uh, we had this thing called the sports block. I think it was on like Monday nights or something like that that we did. And we'd have all the sports shows back to back to back to back at night. And it was great. And um, and just coordinating all the different broadcasts on the, on the radio station with the baseball team. Um, we did the basketball mm-hmm. games, the hockey games. We didn't have a football team. So we did those main were our main sports that we we did and uh, just getting an opportunity to broadcast some of those games over the years, you know, basketball, even some hockey, which I'm not a huge hockey guy, but that was big. Obviously, the only thing I didn't get a chance to do was call the baseball games because I was in the dugout most of the time. So um, and then randomly I would hit the field every once in a while I would play, but I was never a full time starter, really. But uh, it was just great to be on the team and and be there. But um, yeah, that that was really how it started. And um, after after I ended up after that year, my senior year, where it was the word with G and Tommy D, I ended up coming back for an extra semester and he had done an internship at WFAN. So, you know, him and I were boys and he didn't get a job from it. But he's like, hey, here's the guy's contact information who does the internship stuff. You know, tell him, you know, me and, you know, just put your you know your name in the hat, basically, and see if you know they want to interview you. So. They got back to me. I ended up getting an interview at WFAN and um, Eddie Scazzeri, who is the board operator for uh, the morning show with, with uh, Boomer and Giannotti, uh, Greg Giannotti, uh, Gio and, and Boomer and Gio, I think it's called now. Um, he was Craig, you know, with uh, Boomer and uh, Boomer and Carton uh, for a while. And, and um, he was the internship coordinator and interviewed with him and uh, went well. But I can remember at the end of the interview, he, he asked me, he's like, so what's uh what's your dream job? Like, what do you want to do in this profession, in this career? I said, I want to host my own show. And he got to sit back in his chair and he's like, yeah, you know, that's kind of what everybody says. Everybody wants to do that. But just letting you know, like you play college sports, like, you know, just so you know, this is about as difficult as it is from playing college sports to playing professional sports to get an opportunity to have your own show on a radio station. And I was like, all right, dude, bring it on. Like I'm, I'm ready to go. And, um, I ended up, you know, getting one of the seven spots as an intern there at WFAN. So, you know, getting a chance to work around Mike Francesa and the Schmoozer and Evan Roberts and Joe Beningo and just all the guys behind the scenes. Like it was, 
it was just so cool. Mark Malusis, Tony Page, um, uh, just so many guys that were were there that I grew up listening to. And it was just like, I'm like starstruck right now. But I also don't want to act like a fangirl, you know, and like mm -hmm. go up and try to talk to him. But, you know, with the schmoozer, I, I couldn't help myself. And he could not have been uh, nicer. So it was great to know him, meet him. And then I sort of hit it at the right time where CBS Sports Radio Network was just becoming a thing. And they were we shared a floor with them in downtown Manhattan in this one building on Hudson Street. And um, so they were opening up and they were kind of splitting people between FAN and CBS Sports Radio Network just to kind of get themselves off the ground. And they wanted more normal people, like regular people on each station. So they had they took some of those people and put them over on CBS Sports Radio Network. Then they had some openings at, at FAN and I just happened to hit it perfectly where they didn't rare. They rarely hired interns like right out of the class and they ended up hiring three out of the seven of us back. And I was one of the people that they asked to come back. And, uh, you know, after I graduated, cause I was technically still in college, like this was my last semester. So I graduated in May of 2013 and I ended up, you know, getting a chance to be an intern there and was cutting up tape and, and eventually just got a chance to produce some overnight shows and run the board. And then every once in a while, I'd fill in on uh, on Joe and Evan's show and uh, during the middays when somebody was out on vacation. But and I got a chance to you know be the producer for some Yankee games and Devils games and things like that. So that's kind of really how I started. And that internship, my second internship, parlayed right into uh, where I kind of got my start within the industry at the Mecca at WFAN, which I couldn't believe. And sometimes still just talking about it. I remember I literally was brought to tears when they brought me into the studio and asked me if I wanted to accept a part-time position. Cause I'm like, this is the station that got me into sports mm -hmm. talk radio and they want me to work here. Like this was part of the dream. Now the dream, obviously part of the dream is getting back there and hosting my own show on that station. Cause I'm sure we'll get there. But um, part of my dream was realized that at getting in the door there and working there, it was, it was so cool. Yeah, I think it's I'm glad you told that story, too, right? Because it's there's so many steps to it. It wasn't just a, oh, I got an internship at WFAN. It was, oh, I got this internship here. And then I started my own show. And the guy who I started the show with, he had the internship. So then he told me to put him on, you know, he gave me the name of the guy. And it, there's just so many different connections. It's not as easy as one, two, three. There's so many different things that went into it. And as you said, you're, you're very grateful. You're very lucky, whatever whatever your particular words were. But you clearly worked very hard to then be able to accept that position, right? To be able to say, yes, I want to do that. Now, I'm kind of curious, and, and right? Just one, can I interject real quick? Absolutely. This so is one show. thing I, <laughs> no, it's your show, but I'm just, I'm just humbled to be here on it. Um, one thing I would, I would just throw into that is that you're right. It did take a lot of hard work and, you know, you really have to, if you do get an opportunity to get an internship like this, you do have to take it seriously. Like we're talking about getting interns potentially here. And my boss is always preaching like, hey, like, let's make sure this is a guy, a guy who just wants to check a box because he needs some credit or whatnot. Like if you are going to do it, like go all in, like make sure you go above and beyond. And, you know, there is a there is a fine line between annoying people and working like way, way too hard and like doing what's asked of you in a professional way, not annoying anybody, not being too over the top with anything and just being sort of professional, like almost act like you've been there before, but also ask questions, be engaging of, 
the people that you're working around and feel it out because there were some guys that I'm like, you know, I worked with that I'm like, mm, these these guys, you know, they're kind of set in their ways. They don't really, you know, they don't really help. They'll they'll help, but they're not going to go out of their way to help. Um, all nice people there that I worked there, but there were some people, and I think this is within any job that are more willing to help than others. So you gotta kind of find those people and, you know, I think identify the people that you need to be like kind of close with. Like there was one, this one guy on Sunday mornings, Dove Kramer that I worked with that he was kind of a big deal there. And uh, he had a lot of say within things and, you know, he ended up liking me and he doesn't like a lot of people. And so you got to kind of have to know who you have to schmooze a little bit to get in there. And, and like you mentioned with the, the connections and just making connections with as many people as you possibly can and trying to put yourself in the best possible position to be successful, I think is, is huge. So especially right after college, I'm curious, what was it like getting to work those night shifts, getting to work that Sunday morning shift? Like how difficult is that aspect of it? Because obviously, as you said, everyone wants to have their own show. Everyone wants to do probably drive time afternoon. Cause I don't understand why anyone wants to wake up at three o'clock in the morning, but like Not me. <laughs> me neither. Uh, how like, <laughs> How did you deal with that aspect of it, right? You're a young 20-something-year-old guy. You're living in New York City, right? You're outside of New York City, wherever you are. You want to go have a good time, hang out with your friends, see your family occasionally. But this is not the business to do that in, right? So, like, how do you, I guess, cope with that? How do you start to accept that as this is it? Like, this is it moving forward. There's really not too much free time because my free time is watching sports, which means you should be working, right? Like, it's kind of that, oh, no, like, you love sports so much, the games are on at seven at night. Sorry to let you know, Greg. So how do you, how did you deal with that? Especially coming right out of college. So um, yeah, the, the three internships were like 6am to, to noon, noon to six, and then six to midnight. Like those were the three shifts that everybody worked to work three days a week. I, I, you know, was living at home in Connecticut at the time. So I had commute an hour and, 15 or so minutes in depending on traffic and time of day and whatnot um you know and i worked like i think it was like tuesday thursday tuesday was my i think like middle of the day my thursday was a night and then my sunday was the morning which oh, was rough sucks. on some saturday <laughs> nights yeah there was one saturday i went out after i did like a baseball clinic with the guys that i worked with i also worked at a batting cage at that time and yeah it was a, it was a long night it was a long night but uh, that's what happens when you're getting good with you know, one of the more important guys, because like there was not much going on Sunday morning. And that guy who was like really important there could tell I was struggling a little bit. And um, at that point, him and I were cool and there, he knew there wasn't much going on. So he was like, look, you know, there's a reclining chair down down the hallway, um, you know, near the boss's you know office or whatever. You can go close your eyes for an hour or so. We, there's not much going on. So nice. that's what happens sometimes when you're getting good. And you know, with, with, with somebody there, that's, that's important. And um, so, yeah, like I, I was doing the internship and while I was doing the internship, I, I, you know, I didn't even get into this, but I was also out of college and I'm like, all right, I'm not hosting my college radio show anymore. How do I stay fresh? Like I, I reached out to, oh, right. No, it wasn't Ryan Rucco. Um, gosh, I don't even remember the guy's name, but um he was on ESPN radio, ESPN New York. I think he was a co-host of Ryan Rucco at one point. His name escapes me, but I, I reached out to him on LinkedIn. I think it was, and just asked him like, Hey, I'm just out of college. Like I'm trying to get into this industry. I have an internship here. 
what would you, what would advice would you give me? And he said, just get reps, like just do as much as you can. At this point, it doesn't matter how it sounds. It's just doing it. So while I was doing the internship and then ended up getting the part-time job, it was, um, it was a lot of recording myself, literally setting up my laptop in my basement. Cause I didn't want to be around anybody. I was a little embarrassed uh, in my basement, my you know legal pad full of notes. And I remember literally just turning on audacity and just talking into my computer for an hour and I'd record it. I don't even remember where I would put it up, maybe like SoundCloud or something like that. And um, maybe YouTube. And then like, I would just do that and just get reps. Like it sounded like absolute garbage. Can we swear on this? Can I say, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It sounded like shit. Like, uh, you know, it's, it, it was, it was bad, but I just needed to keep doing it. So that was a way for me to stay fresh. Now it's obviously much easier and much more prevalent to just, if you're a young person in college and trying to, okay, how do I stay fresh? It's much easier. You know, the, the equipment's more readily available. You know, you know, basically what you need. There's YouTube videos galore and articles galore of what you need to start a podcast and things like that. But I didn't have that back then. So I just set up my computer and talked right into my computer. And on top of doing the part-time work, like I, you know, once I got the job, I had to make some money. So on top of that, I was working at a Honda dealership as that was my full-time job. Like I worked Monday through Friday and sometimes on Saturdays from like seven o'clock in the morning till like five o'clock at night. Like that was my, my full-time job. And every once in a while, like I'd get like a part-time shift at FAN. And sometimes, you know, it was an overnight or well, usually it was like a night where it was like, I went right from my Honda job to the city back home and then had to get a couple hours sleep, get up and do it again, you know? Uh, of you go back to the Honda dealership. And I was I was a shuttle driver, you know, so I was driving people around uh, to the train station to their home, picking them up, things like that. I was no no kinds of mechanic or salesman. I was just a driver and a glorified janitor, basically. Like if I wasn't driving people, I'd have to restock shelves and bathrooms and just basically whatever anybody needed, clean, you know, stuff. I was I was the guy to do it. So it's not all glamorous, even when you're, you know, part time at WFAN where you have to commute in and, you know, I had to make some money and um, living at home. And, you know, I also worked at a batting cage part time and giving lessons, doing camps and clinics over the summer. And, you know, I ended up coaching a couple of baseball teams in the, you know, the spring, summertime and then in the fall. So my plate was pretty full. And then trying to do the, you know, the podcast on top of it, like it was uh, it was quite the grind of literally trying to juggle all of those things. but always in the back of my mind, obviously I knew I needed to make money and try to save some money. But at the same time, it was, all right, if WFAN calls and they put me on the schedule, that is my top priority. And that eventually ended up costing me my, my Honda job because I made that too much of a priority. Um, but, uh, it's, it was fine. You know, I ended up getting more into that and, um, ended up working out just fine. I was going to say, you're here now. That's really all that matters. Yeah. Greg, you made it. You're on the show. So uh, really only can go down from here. Sorry to let you know. That's but right. I guess, I so I'm kind of curious though, like how, again, you're super young, right? Like you're trying to still have a life too, right? And and like knowing that, it, I think it's it's a lot, and I, I'll, I'll speak for you here a little bit. I think it's a lot easier doing all that because you had the dream job, right? Not Not quite the dream job, but you're working at the dream station. And I think that makes yeah. it so much easier to be like, yeah, this sucks, but like, 
Remember 13-year-old me? If I told 13-year-old me I was working at WFAN, I was hanging out with the schmooze, I would mother F Mike Francesa behind his back in the studio, <laughs> there's nothing like it, right? There's literally nothing like it. So I think like that opportunity yeah. alone probably makes it so much so much easier to kind of eat all that crap and just be able to say, you know what, it's fine. Like, it's not going to be to. exactly. You have it's not going to gonna be like that. this forever. You have to eat right? that crap. Yeah. 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 I mean, you have to. Like, there are only so many John Yastrzemski's in the world that are going to win a contest and automatically get, you know, from Syracuse to WFA and like that. Like, and me and JJ are, are, are friends. Like, I like JJ a lot. I didn't like him when I listened to him or yeah. when I didn't know him, which is funny. And I think I told him that drunk one night when we went out. But, um, uh, yeah, he's a great dude. Great dude. And he's like, a funny his, guy. yeah, his situation doesn't happen uh, that much, but I always appreciated him because him and Schmooze and Tony Page were like really the only ones to ever like as a producer, get me on and let me come on and talk uh, overnight and stuff like that. So that was fun. And that's, you know, kind of where I got a chance to cut up a little bit uh, on the air. But, um, but yeah, you have to grind and you have to do, you have to take those crappy shifts and you have to you know, work a bunch of different jobs and do things that you don't want to do eventually to get to where you want to be. And, and for me, you know, it was, hey, I'm here. And I was there for a couple of years. And I ended up picking up another radio job in Connecticut that I worked two days a week for literally three hours. I made minimum wage, like seven to nine dollars an hour, basically. And I had to drive 40 minutes to get to this place. So basically I was almost breaking even, I'm sure. I was with say gas and yeah, everything. And food and whatever it was. And it was from like, it was like six to nine or five to five to eight or something like that. It was like a three hour, you know, a couple, you know, I don't know if it was one show or two shows, but you know, I was just literally producing and it was like a syndicated show, but I just wanted to make a connection and I wanted to uh, be in a radio station and just be there and be around it. And I got the chance to produce uh, a couple of the sports shows, uh, the one sports show that they had. Uh, the guy who is the play-by-play guy for the UConn Huskies basketball team and football team, he was the one who hosted the show. And um, so I got to produce when his producer wasn't there. And um, so that was cool. But it's just, again, it's just doing anything to get yourself around the business and around the equipment, around what you want to do. And you know, sticking to the plan or as the Sixers would say, trust the process, basically, you know, and that's really what you had to do with this instance of getting to where you want to be. Just work these crappy jobs. And I did that for, you know, a year, maybe. I don't even remember how long it was, but it wasn't very long. Um, And it was always thinking ahead of like, okay, how do I set myself apart? What do I do? And that's, again, credit to my both my parents who would always tell me like, Hey, you know, you got to try to set yourself apart somehow. And I'll just tell you a quick story without even having you ask me it, but how I did that and how I really sort of got myself set myself apart was I would do my own videos like on YouTube, like you're talking about like a YouTube channel and things like that. That was huge. I would literally stack up boxes in my bedroom, I had a like a, just like a regular rolly chair like that I'm sitting on now in the corner of my bedroom. And at first it was just like a blank wall behind me, a white wall. And I would literally sit there, have a, yeah, something like that. I'd open up a Word doc, type up like I was, I love fantasy football or fantasy baseball as well. I would type up like a little spiel that I wanted to do on my shows, like the fantasy sports update or something like that. And um, 
like the word with G fantasy football updater. I don't remember what I called it. It's up there on YouTube somewhere. If you want to go track that lives, that's the cool part about the internet. It's also the terrifying part about the internet. It's Oh my gosh, dude. If you go back and you look at some of those videos, it's you can see how far you've come for sure. So I used to do that. And, um, they were so bad. And I would, I would progress to like, I put, I got a couple of, uh, you know, word with G oh, it's this side. There we go. Word with G shirts made up. They were just like cotton t-shirts. I hung them in the back. I'd wear it in the video. And, um, and that was kind of my background. And I just tried to get better every time I did it. And, uh, I finally reached out to the guy who like ran or oversaw CBS sports radio network. He was also used to be at FAN. His name is Eric Spitz. And, um, you know, he, he had him and I had a mutual friend, I think, with my parents. Um, and so, like, I kind of used that to sort of like make a connection with him. So he would remember who I was because I was just like a lowly part time dude. Like, what does he care about me? And um, so I remember messaging or emailing him one time. It was just like, hey, you know, Eric, could I could I you know, could we set up a meeting? I, re- I just wanted to throw an idea out to you, pitch. I want to talk to you about something. And um and he's like, yeah, sure. Like we set up a time to meet. I had to come in on a day. I don't think I was even working. I just like came in to have this meeting with him because it was that important. And my idea was, hey, like we don't do a whole lot of fantasy sports or fantasy talk on WFAN. Like I hear it in other places and on podcasts and stuff, but we don't do a lot of it. And I didn't, I had like a whole plan written up on, on a Word doc and I brought in like samples of my stuff that I, I have done. And, uh, you know, just thinking if in some crazy world, he's like, wow, this is a great idea. Like, we're going to put you on the air. I'm like, yes, that would have been awesome. But I also wasn't naive enough to, to realize or know that or think that I was going to get on the air, like, just because of that. But I sat down and I pitched this idea and he's like, oh, thank goodness. Like, I thought you were going to come in here and ask me, like, how do I get on the air? He's like, I get that all of the time. And so it was just like those little things of trying to set yourself apart from somebody else. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, uh, Mike, I, I almost didn't take that meeting. I almost emailed him literally while I was going there because I was having such anxiety about this. I'm like, this is so dumb. Like, this isn't going to lead to anything. Like, what am I doing? Like, I had that negative self-talk in my mind and I almost talked myself out of it. But the more positive side, uh, uh, the angel on my shoulder was like, what do you have to lose? Like, just go and talk to the guy. At the very least, you make a connection. You stand out to him a little bit. And you think a little differently than uh, than other people. So I, I went through with it. I talked it. I pitched it. He's like, yeah, like, I like this. This is really cool. But um, you know, I don't think, I don't know if there's really a, an avenue on the air here. He's like, you know, what would be great would be to talk to this guy called, you know, named Adam Bloom. And he was like this, you know, head of sports at CBS local digital media. And he's like, that's like oceanfront property. And this is like 2015, I think it was. He's like, that's oceanfront property. Like that is, it's going to be huge in a couple of years. And he was right. It has blossomed into a very, you know, prosperous uh, avenue for, for sports media people. And um, talk to him, go meet him. I know they're doing some podcasts there. Talk to him about it. So gave me his contact. I reach out to him. We talk and, um, you know, really great guy. Again, I had to go into the city from Connecticut, met up with him at a coffee shop below his, his, you know, his office. And 
I just went there for the meeting and it was like half an hour. And then I was on my way back to Connecticut. Like I spent more time traveling than I did actually in the city. And uh, just to kind of pitch him the same idea. And um, he's like, look, I, I really like it. We're doing this new podcast on fantasy football. Mark Malusis is hosting with this other guy and um, like an expert. And uh, they're going to do it. I would love for you to listen and maybe contribute. And if you think there's anything that we can do a little bit better, just email me and let me know. I was like, cool. Like I'm, you know, he wants me to sort of be part of it. Yeah. And so like fast forward a couple of months later, I listen, I'm, I'm doing my thing. I'm contributing and I'm trying to, you know, give him some feedback and fast forward to like, like the beginning of the summer of 2015, I see a job opening uh, for CBS local digital media. And it was like this brand new sports talk radio show. It's called CBS sports radio roundup. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like they were looking for one t- you know, full-time person, two part-time people. And I, so I, I, you know, I kept in touch with Adam and um, I emailed him. I was like, Hey, do you have anything to, uh, to do with this job? And he goes, I'm actually the boss of this job. He's like, have you applied? Like, do you want to get in? I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I already applied. Like, he's like, great. Okay, cool. Send me your resume. I'm, I'll go right to HR. I'll make sure you get an interview. Within a couple hours, you know, HR called me. Hey, you know, we want to set up an interview. And he told me to apply for the part-time position. Okay, cool. I'll take it. It's a step, right? And so I interviewed for the part-time position. I go down there. I meet with literally like five different people. In two hours, I was there for two hours doing an interview with a bunch of different people. It was like, it wasn't intimidating, but it was just a lot of people to meet with more people than I'd ever mm-hmm. met in, with, in an interview ever before. So I meet with all these people and, um, you know, I, I was coaching a baseball, summer baseball team at that point. And, uh, so I told the HR people about that and whatnot. And, uh, we were actually heading to Atlanta, uh, Georgia to do a tournament. Uh, like the next week or something like that. So I go in and do the interview. I felt good about it. I figured they would take a couple of weeks to make the decision, whatever, interview people. So I go down to, to Georgia. We literally went 0-7. We got our shit kicked in. We were so <laughs> bad. And uh, we come back. And uh, literally the day I got back, we flew in in the morning. We were all in the car like you know, me, my assistant coach, a couple of, uh, you know, the parents and kids were all in our car because we all drove together. We picked up our car from the airport and we were heading back to Connecticut. And um, I get a call from the HR guy as literally as we're like getting our car from in, in New York. I don't remember if it was LaGuardia or JFK or whatever it was. And it was the HR guy. And he's like, hey, Greg, this is so-and-so with CBS Local Digital Media. You know, we went through our interview process. Like everybody really liked you. Um we think you'd be like a really good part of the team, but like, um, did you, what did you, did you apply? You applied for the part-time position. I was like, yeah. He's like, um, you know, did we, did we ever talk to you about the full-time spot? I was like, no, not really. Um, he's like, I know you do your coaching and you got a lot going on. Like, but how would you feel about the full-time spot? And I was like, I feel great about it. <laughs> like, let's go. Like that's not even what I was thinking was going to happen. And I'm literally 25 at this point, and I just got a full-time job in New York City at w- or at CBS Sports Radio, uh, CBS Local Digital Media for this brand new startup show. And what CBS Sports Radio Roundup was, the concept was Red Zone Channel for radio. We had like 16 different streams across the country, and our job as hosts, there was me full-time and then two other part-timers 
I was middle of the day from 10 to 2. We had a guy from 2 to 6 and a guy from 10, uh, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Uh, so yeah, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. And uh, we would do our shifts and we would literally just take listeners around to the best stuff that was going on on, on CBS Sports Radio's networks from around the country. And we'd ask the hosts or producers or stations to tweet out the guests that they were having. And from there, we could just click a button and we could send you right out to New York City or Detroit or Chicago or uh, Texas or Dallas or Los Angeles or Sacramento, whatever it may have been. There was just like it was just like the red zone channel. I was basically playing Scott Hansen on the oh, radio. Everybody's dream job, right? Everybody. Yeah. Scott's got the best job in the world. And that's that's super cool. I do want to take I want to I want to go a couple steps back, though, to the idea sure. of like the the fantasy sports minute or whatever we were calling it. Like, as you said, like that guy just expected you to come in and say, how do I get on the air? Right. Because that's what everyone wants. But the way you do that is by adding value to him. The way you do that is by going to him and saying, I have this idea. I think this might benefit you. And you kind of know what I want. We don't have to be like, you know, we can kind of be coy about it, but you know, I want to get on air. I'm not just asking you, how do I get on air? I'm showing you that I think I can contribute. I think I can add value in some way, shape, or form, which is something that I always love to talk about when going to classes and everything. It's just just asking for something's not going to work. You should always ask. Always, always ask. But also, if you can come ready with something and say, like, hey, this is how I can help, you added value to that next guy who you know was able to get you that, that second interview. But like, yeah, I'll, here's the idea. <laughs> Excuse me. But I'll also listen in and I'll send you feedback and I'll stay in contact, right? So this is always adding value, which I think is really important. And people don't understand that. Like, they just want to like, oh, well, how do I do this? Like, well, I don't have the magic pill. But like, you know, do a lot of work. <laughs> As we've, we've been here for almost an hour and you've told us all the things that you've done. Not going to lie. It's not rocket science, but it's an insane amount of hard work. And it's that one year that you're putting yourself through absolute hell to get to where you are now, to get to where you will be in a couple of years, which I think is the important part. Um, so I think that's that's also another great story. So I sincerely appreciate that. So we only have a, yeah. like, I mean, I mean, I have some time. I don't want to take up your whole afternoon or your whole no, I'm good, though. man. We, we still I got plenty to talk about. Love it. Love it. Love it. So I guess like now, so you're, you're finally, you're on air, right? You are an on air host at this point. Like that is your first. Yeah, but it was like, yeah, yeah it was the first of, gig, but right? it wasn't like I'm running my own show. It was kind of like, Hey, I'm hosting this and we're going to showcase other radio shows. Like it, I'd get my takeoff every once yeah. in a while and we'd go to breaks and stuff like that. So that was cool. But like, yeah, I wasn't like taking calls. I wasn't setting up interviews. I wasn't doing interviews, but at the same time, like while I was doing this, I was still doing my podcast and I was still doing digital content and trying to do YouTube stuff. And, you know, just think of different stuff to do to, again, it might've been shit, but it was still just getting reps and, being comfortable on the camera, like setting your laptop up you know, on a couple of boxes. So it's eye level. Like I have right now, literally I've got two stools stacked on top of each other. So this could be eye level right now. Um, that's just a little behind the scenes. Uh, I, inside I for appreciate you. the effort on your end. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, I want to make sure we had a cool background too, like good. The microphones. And I was like, am I going to just sit with like this wall behind me? I was like, let's, let's get some of the lights going. Let's, yeah. uh, let's get the mics going too. Cause they just I've... built this little podcast studio for us. Hell yeah. And I appreciate that, man. Spice it up a little bit. It's always nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah. when's when's the first full time like you can call it your own? Like when when did you finally get that opportunity to say like, all right, this was fun. This is actually sounds like a really cool concept, too. Right. There's interviews going on everywhere. There's games There's stuff going on. Like when when is that first? Like, all right, well, this was cool. Like I want to do me now. This is my show where I get to talk about what I want to talk about, not 
going to see what other people are talking about. Still having fun, but you know, the next one's that next step. So I would have stayed there and I would have done that show for as long as they wanted to do it probably, you know? Um, but there was a transition period with CBS and Entercom and CBS was like getting bought out by Entercom. Yeah. And, you know, that's not a, that's not a secret. And this guy who created this concept for CBS sports radio roundup, he was let go uh, by the company. And uh, when Entercom kind of came in, you know, they, they, you know, back in the day, like before that guy even got let go, they cut our marketing team, like, like slow, there was a slow trimming back of people within the company. And like without a marketing team, there was no way that our brand new product was going to get off the ground and have success. Like it was having some success early. It was, it was a really cool concept. And I think it probably could work in some capacity somewhere, some way, somehow still, but you just need the right people behind you to back it up and have the right platform for it to go to. Like, I think that would be a, a cool concept for maybe like Sirius XM, like give you the mm -hmm. best of Sirius XM, like on a channel, like what's going on with the sports talk between NBA, MLB, NFL, Mad Dog, you know, that would be a cool concept to, to do something like that. Actually, now that I'm talking about that, maybe hey. I pitched that idea. Write that down. <laughs> yeah. Don't steal it from me. Trademarking that one. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, like I would have done that for a while, but they, um, after a year and a half, like actually after a year, I was, I literally, Mike was commuting from, is it Michael or Mike? Do you mind if I call you Mike? It's both. I didn't even ask. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's both. Um, cool. I just want to make sure I want to be disrespectful. You're perfect. Uh, you know, cause like my mom, like my mom, it will, I only call me Gregory or G man. There is no Greg. <laughs> with mom Sweet. or dad yeah but she she's like i don't care you know with friends girlfriends whatever but like any family member calls me anything other than gregory or g-man and there's hell to be paid that's funny yeah so um so i was doing that for about a year i was literally commuting from connecticut to new york city every single day and for those of you who don't know it is get up super early in the morning go park at a train station get on the train, pay $450 a month for a, a train pass, you know, back and forth. And, um, you know, take the train, you get to Grand Central, you either grab a subway or you walk to where, where the station was. And that was literally Mike, two hours and 15 minutes each way. So I commuted for damn near five hours a day, four and a half hours a day, Monday through Friday for a year like that. People were like, you're insane. How do you do that? And honestly, like that probably led to some neck and some back problems that I had uh, because sleeping on the train and those seats are not the most comfortable. And I was kind of like this and always like falling asleep and passing out there and back. And, you know, but that's how much I wanted it. That's how much mm -hmm. I loved it that, you know, you have to be willing to make those sacrifices, getting up super early, earlier than you want to get up and going to do those things. Because This was my dream job and this was a stone that I needed to step on to get to where I ultimately wanted to be. And um, so I did that for a year and uh, then I you know, was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I, I've saved up enough money. I've lived at home for a while. Like I kind of want to start my life at 26 years old. I want to move out. I want to get my own spot. So and I want to have less of a commute. So I was originally looking with my buddy who was the better half or the other half of the word with G and Tommy D because he was working there full time at CBS Sports Radio Network and he was looking for a new place. So him and I were looking a little bit in Hoboken that kind of fell through. And then, um, and then I ended up looking with a buddy of mine who I worked with, uh, J Jake Brown, and uh, we both love the Mets. And 
we moved to Astoria. He was a big Astoria guy. So we found a spot in Astoria and uh, moved there. But then like six months later, they canceled the show. <laughs> and so I'm like, shoot, like I'm unemployed. I'm living in New York City. I just moved here. It hasn't even been a year. It's been six months. And now I got to figure it out. Like, and that was really a hard moment for me and a defining moment in my my career, my life of like, all right, dude, like you got to figure it out. And it's back to grinding again. You know, you had the good, nice, cushy job you're making, you know, uh, 50 some odd G's a year, whatever it was. Um, this was really good. But now 2100 or I don't remember how much my rent was uh, 2150 or whatever it was between the two of us, of like, you're living in New York city. Like we got to figure it out now. And so, um, I ended up getting, uh, you know, just a, a job at MLB advanced media, you know, as a, you know, platform, uh, manager or platform monitor, I think it was called Mm -hmm. on MLB. And, um, it was basically just like, they have a bunch of different platforms with Fox sports and MLB and WWE and HBO. And you had to go on there and basically you were assigned specific shows at a certain time. And you'd have all these devices and you had to just watch them on all different devices. If there was anything wrong, you had to allow, you know, to notify somebody and basically correct the problem before the user figured out there was a problem. And that was just boring. Like I, that sounds super boring. Yeah. I wanted nothing to do with that. Like that was like, I'm just happy to have it. And I was very grateful to those people. I like the people mm-hmm. I worked with, but that wasn't for me. Like, that's not what I wanted to do. And I think people knew that. Um, but I tried my best to work as hard as I could, even though that wasn't what I wanted to do. And then I got a job at CBS Sports Radio Network because I made connection there. I got like one shift a week there and it was 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. Yeah, it sucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, just trying to get back into the business and get back into the radio station. They didn't need anything at WFAN at the time. I'd already left there. Um, and I knew I kind of wanted to leave there because I, I felt like I would always sort of be, you know, seen as a behind the scenes guy. And I yep. wanted to be seen as a guy who could host his own show and handle himself doing that. Um, and I wanted to get experience doing that. So that was CBS sports radio roundup is, is what I wanted to do. And I wanted to get the experience that way. And I also, and this is a, a tidbit that not a lot of people know that when I was in Connecticut, I actually took like a 12 week modeling and acting class and uh, I did that and I ended up like just trying to find money and just doing some new experiences. I ended up becoming like a background actor and I was actually a background actor in Ocean's 8. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. And so like I could have saw you then maybe. Yeah. No, I was I was you can see me literally for a solid like four seconds over Sandra Bullock's (laughs) shoulder. And that's like there you go. But no, that was just such a cool experience. Like it, it allowed me to sort of get outside of my sports jock, my own bubble that I was comfortable with and do something that I had never done before. Like I was with like 400 plus background actors at the Metropolitan Museum of Art mm-hmm. for a week from like 4 p.m. to like 4 a.m. And just got a chance to know these different people. And it was a really sweet experience. I remember the first day I showed up on set I'm in like all Packers gear, like sports. Everybody else is in nice clothes, all dressed up, talking about how I went to acting school here and I was a background actor on this thing and I did that. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm a, I'm an athlete, former athlete. And uh, I took one acting class in college because it was an easy A and uh, <laughs> that was about it. You here know, we are. 
here we are. I'm just trying to make some money, do something different. And uh, it was such a fun experience. I'm so happy that I did that. And I you know it sucked that I got let go from that job and they canceled the, the, the show. But I'm so grateful looking back on it that it allowed me to do something that kind of got helped me get out of my comfort zone a little mm-hmm. bit. And, you know, it's just something cool that I can kind of always say that, like, I was a background actor on this movie or I got a chance to be on this set and work with these people and just experience a whole different world that I would have never experienced otherwise. And I still have aspirations of wanting to like be in a movie as like a sports guy or like a radio broadcaster or like an athlete or something. Like, I think that would be so fun to not even have like a big part, just like a couple of lines here or there. Like I could deliver something. So um, that's just something I did, you know, in between that job and, you know, while I was kind of on the the shelf doing what I was doing, just trying to, to get by, I was always looking, you know, around at job boards and trying to make connections. And I was doing my podcast. I was doing a live online show once a week and doing some other podcasts with a buddy of mine. So I was still trying to keep myself fresh and put myself out there a little bit and develop some other brands and do some YouTube stuff. And it allowed me to sort of mess around with that, which was fun. And I always would look on Sportscasters Talent Agency of America. That was like my main go-to. I get the weekly emails. I'd look on their job boards. I would send out more resumes and cover letters that I probably would like to say and didn't hear back from. But then I applied to this one in Lafayette, Louisiana, and um, really didn't think much of it because it was just another one that I applied to. You know, they, they pile up. and Yep try to write them all down and see what places you apply to and whatnot. Yeah, certainly when it's like just a find and replace with the cover letter. It's like, I've always wanted to go to Louisiana <laughs> because I think the food is great. Like, I mean, that, how many different cover letters can you have at that point? Like it's a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I, I hope that program directors realize that, that like you're not, you'll get maybe a little bit of a personalized one, but for the most part, it's going to be a copy and paste. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, but you try to personalize it and spice it up if you, if you can. So I send that one off. And I, again, I don't really think much of it. And uh, I go down to a wedding in um, in North Carolina. And this is a really crazy story. Like this is one of the things that made me believe that like there is a higher power that is like in control of these things because it was wild. Like I um, I went down for one of my, my freshman year roommate. He was getting married in North Carolina. Just so happened it was in the same town as where my, my parents have a house. And they now live now in North Carolina. Nice and easy. Yeah. So I was like, all right, you know, I'll go. Uh, I had a plus one. I had a girl who I was going to, you know, was going to come with me. That fell through. So I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm going solo. Uh, but I really wanted a plus one because I've been to a couple of weddings and never got a plus one because I, in this industry, like, as you alluded to, like, you're grinding. Like, there's mm-hmm. not a lot of time. Like, I knew I was going to be moving around and I really didn't want to get attached to anybody or anywhere. So I, um, this is so funny. Like, I can't believe I'm admitting this on, on this podcast, but like, I don't know if I've ever admitted this public anywhere, but like, I, yeah, I, um, I'll clip this for everybody just in case they don't watch the whole thing. I'll clip it so that everyone can see. Okay. So I paid for like the Tinder plus and I started swiping down in North Carolina where I was going to be. And I connected with a couple of girls and then like one girl like really stood out and, um, so I get down there and, um, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, you know, like the Friday before, I think the wedding was on like a Sunday or something like that. And um, 
And so like the Friday before, like I asked the girls like, Hey, what are you doing this weekend? She's like, Oh, I'm busy tonight. But like the rest of the weekend, like I'm, I'm free. I was like, Oh, it's cool. Like I'm going to a, a Myrtle beach Pelicans game with my dad. And you know, we're just going to hang out. I think we're going to play golf, you know, Saturday during the day. Um, but I was going to say, like, I was gonna see if you want to hang out on, on Saturday. Like I'm down here, my buddy's getting married and, um, casually, through you know, that, yeah, yeah. My buddy's getting married and look, they're deal. having like, they're having like a before the wedding party and they have like an open bar. Like you should come. She's like, ah, are you sure? I don't want to be like, I don't want to impose Wait, before the wedding party. So are you just talking about like cocktail hour, I guess it was like the wedding was on Sunday. This was like a Saturday, like, a Oh, party. okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 So, um, I invited her to that and she's like, yeah, I don't know. Like, is that kind of weird? Like they don't know me. I was like, well, look, like it, that's fine. Like, honestly, like, look, I had a plus one and she couldn't make it. So like, you could just pretend to be my plus one. So planting the seed a little nice, bit, you nice, know? Nice. And so she was like, oh, cool. Like, yeah, I'm down for a good time, whatever. And um, as long as they don't, they don't care, kick me out. I was like, no, oh, that'd be fine. So I get there. I'm up and she texted me. She's like, I'm here. I went down, got her, met her, bring her up and introduce her to everybody. And we're like drinking, we're having a good time. And like an hour in, she's like, I'm having a really good time. Like, I really enjoy like hanging out with you. I was like, yeah, me too. She's like, you know, I've never been to a wedding. She was like 21 or 22 at the time. She was, she went to school at Dartmouth. Like she was very smart and oh, wow, yeah. uh, was down in North Carolina for the summer, just doing like an internship or something. And, um, and I was like, well, like I said, like, I literally have this plus one. It's literally not going to get used. Like, do you want to use it? And so she, she was like, you know, yeah, sure. Why not? And like, we just, we had a great night, hit it off. Um, and then she ended up coming to the wedding with me and it was, it was just a wild, crazy weekend. Like one, I will like never forget in terms of like things that have happened and then that Monday after the wedding, we were hanging out at our aunt's house, just at the pool, or whatever. Didn't have my phone on me. And then later in the day, I checked the phone and I have a missed call and I have a voicemail from the program director in Louisiana. And um, and so I, I, you know, I listened to the voicemail. Hey, this is Scott Prather from you know, ESPN 1420 in Lafayette, Louisiana. Got your resume. Just wanted to talk, you know. I'm not going to be at this number, so don't call this number back, but email me and we'll schedule a time to talk. Okay, cool. So I emailed him right away. I go back to, to New York, figure out a time to talk. We do the interview with him for like 50 minutes or whatever it was. Goes well. I get on the phone with him and his two bosses. That goes well. And then they're like, all right, we like this kid, but we can't hire him without meeting him. And they, mm -hmm. I found out later were just about to fly me down to Louisiana so they could meet me and see how it would be. But they're like, you know, that's, that's pretty spendy. I don't know if we want to do that. Is there a way we can do it without doing that? And the corporate office for town square media, which is the media company that owned them was in Connecticut. So like, Hey, like, would you want to meet with the, like this, this guy? Hey, like I did the second interview and before I could even send a follow-up of like, Hey, thanks so much. It was great to meet you guys the GM of the building sent me a message and was like, Hey, so good to talk to you. We would love for you to meet with Eric Kellum. He's attached to this email. He's at the works at the corporate office uh, in Connecticut. We'd love for you to meet with him. He's attached. You guys talk and, and figure out a time to meet. So I was like, Oh, cool. Like that's great. Yeah. Third interview. Okay, cool. They must like me. Um, and so I'm like, Oh, let me see who this guy is. Ends up being the vice president of the entire company. I'm like, there you what go. in the world? 
oh my God, this is a big deal. I got to nail this. So I go, I meet with him. We meet for like 20, 30 minutes. Really nice guy. And um, find out, you know, a couple of weeks later that they offer me the job. And I can still remember to this day, like getting the call or the email or whatever it was. And um, like literally was just in tears of like, oh my gosh, it's finally happening. Like, and the job was a one hour show, but it was every single day. It was six to seven. Oh, wow. Every single day. I was like, just thrilled to have my own show, daily show, even if it was just an hour. But there was opportunities to fill in on other shows when people were away and broadcasting games and doing things like that. But the whole reason I told you that whole story of the North Carolina and the wedding and things like that is because I mentioned that, you know, my dad and I went to a Myrtle Beach Pelicans game. Do you know what the state bird of Louisiana is? I think it's a pelican, right? It's a pelican. How crazy is that? That the weekend that I go to a Myrtle Beach Pelicans game, that's the weekend I hear about a job in Louisiana. And then when I, before I get offered the interview, like the the job, one of my favorite singers or artists, his uh, it's Andy Grammer. Do you know what Andy Grammer is? I think so. You gotta keep your head up. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, that song. Like that's one of his most popular songs. He's one of my favorite artists. I've seen him a bunch of times, and. Like the week before our, or the week of that I got offered that job, he had a baby and named her Louisiana oh, wow. or Louie for short. And so it was just like a crazy coincidence. Yeah. The Pelican. No, no such thing singer. as coincidence. No such thing. Yeah. As, I don't believe in coincidences. Yeah, it was it was wild. And so like I wholeheartedly believe like everything happens for a reason. There's little signs that you can pick up on that you won't even know until you like look back on. But that was the one for, for me, and um, that's where I got my first start. Lafayette, Louisiana, summer of 2017, and uh, 27 years old, and I was heading down to the bayou. I had never been to the state of Louisiana before I moved there. I found out an apartment online just view, you know because of nice. reviews or whatever. <laughs> and, there you go, yeah. man. So I'm not going to lie. I, I thought that that girl's dad was going to be like the VP of the company. <laughs> Not going to lie. I thought that's where we were going to get to, but shout out that girl. I hope she's doing well. <laughs> but I think, I mean, again, I don't believe in coincidences. I do. I don't believe everything happens for a reason. I think there is a reason that everything happens though. A little bit of semantics I like to use with that one. But I, again, all that stuff that just aligns perfectly is just absolutely wild, right? Like that's not supposed to happen, but it does. And like all those things happen and you finally get the opportunity to have that job. You finally get your own show, right? You have all this. So now I'm kind of curious, like, you're not from Louisiana, as you said. You've never been to Louisiana. Shout out Raging Cajuns, right? Shout out LSU, um, the Saints. Like there's there's yep. like there's like some national brands that you, I'm sure even up here in New York. Like I watch a lot of LSU games, right? I still watch every Saints game that's on TV, right? So all those things. How do you like get ingratiated into a community like that? How do you start to be like? Hey, like I'm this guy from the Northeast, but I promise you, I'm going to give you the best hour of sports talk radio in Louisiana that you've ever had in your life. Like, how do you authentically do something like that to really get yourself like, hey, guys, now, like we're going to talk about everything that you want to talk about. And I'm going to know it like the back of my hand and I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. And you're going to tell me, like, how do you do that? Like out of nowhere? It's not easy. I'll tell you that it it, it comes with a lot of just paying attention and understanding and research and studying like 
if I'm being honest with you, like I didn't know the history of like the Saints or the Pelicans or LSU as well as anybody who's ever lived there. And you can't. And I think the biggest thing is you just you can't fake it. Like mm-hmm. if you try to like fake like you've been a fan your entire life, like Brian, they're Kelly gonna Jackson. smell. <laughs> yeah, yes. you didn't try that. No, 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 no. See, like they can smell bullshit a mile away. Like people, smart sports fans are smart. Like they can smell bullshit a mile away. So my goal going into that was just be me. Like do do your research. Trust your instincts of hosting a show. Like you've done this before. You may have never done it every single day, and that was a learning curve within itself. But just do your research, study, pay attention to the games that people care about. You may not be able to talk about what happened 50 years ago and how you felt about it and things like that. But, you know, like just sort of be a sponge. And that's something my dad has always taught me, whether it was with sports or anything in life, is when somebody's trying to teach you something, just be a sponge. Or you're trying to learn something, be a sponge. I coach a baseball team now, 10-year-old kids. And I always tell them, hey, look, I may have to tell you guys things over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. But try to be a sponge. Try to. I'm not speaking for my own health. I'm speaking to try to help you guys. So with me, it was always do your research, pay attention to what's going on and what's relevant within the area, and then try to go to as many events and just talk to people. Like get get connected with people within the industry that have been here before, that have been, you know, lifelong Saints fans, and just talk to them. Go out and have a beer. Talk about it. Just. Go out and meet people within the community. I think that's the biggest thing. And, you know, honestly, it was hard moving to a new place. Like meeting girls was easy because you can go on Bumble and Tinder and Hinge and all that stuff. And you can swipe to to your finger falls off. But, you know, meeting friends like guy friends for me, like that was a hard thing to do. Um, And I ended up, you know, becoming best friends with this one kid who worked at the paper. And him and I had a really good relationship where. I relied on him a lot when it came to high school football because they had me doing a high school football show there, you know, every Friday night from like six to midnight, a scoreboard show. I didn't know how to say half the names of the schools. I didn't know how to pronounce the names of these kids or coaches or anything. Um, And he was a big asset and a big help because he'd only been there like a year or so, but he, you know, was around the area and uh, he knew about it. So that's really what I did just to kind of ingratiate myself within the community, just be out there and be open, be argumentative, but to a point, don't be yeah. stupid and try to act like, you know, more than these people. Cause again, they'll, they know bullshit when they, when they, when they see it, if you're honest with them and just be like, Hey, this is how I see it. And I sort of view it as kind of being a coach of these, this 10 year old baseball team where like, I'm not a dad. I don't have a kid on the team. Like I don't have a dog in this fight. And again, like with these sports teams that I'm covering now that I covered in Louisiana, like, I didn't, I don't have this emotional connection to them for my entire life. So I feel like I can be very objective when it comes to these teams. Mm -hmm. And I think that I try to use that to my advantage and you can sort of use that as a point of contention and sort of argue with some of the the fans or have Mm -hmm. some debate with the fans because they're going to be very irrational sometimes, you know, as a fan, you know, you can be a little irrational. Yeah. Yeah. I I think the Mets are going to win the damn division every year. Uh, no, I, I think they're going to be in last place every year. So I guess uh, I need a See, little like bit now more. I'm sort of doing that to try to reverse jinx it. You know, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Maybe I can't do that, but I would try. I'll try. I promise you that, Greg, I will try to do that. And so I guess like with so you get this amazing opportunity, right? You're doing all these things. You're putting in 
you know, you only have only you have your your show, but it's for only so many minutes a day, right? But you're still you're putting so much time and effort and energy into all this. How how do you start to say like, all right, well, this is cool, but I mean, my goal is to be on the fan, right? WFAN one hundred one point nine, right? Is that that's what it is? If I'm not mistaken, WFAN. So. Yeah. I think so. I don't know. Whatever it is yeah. here, I kind of can't listen to it too much anymore. Some of those people are just assholes, and I just can't stand. Six sixty. Uh, I always listen yeah, to six sixty. Okay, like yeah. F AM. You're going old school on me. I appreciate that. Yeah. But how do you like start to say like, all right, like I think I've done everything I can here in Louisiana, or was it somebody came to you and said, hey, you know, Louisiana's cool, but Chattanooga that's the place to be like how how does that work because that's your ultimate goal right you're always shooting to get to eventually back to where you started and back to that station where you started to have that show to be the schmooze and francesa and all these people but you know that there's multiple sets it's not going to happen next year maybe i mean i'm crossing my fingers for you how do you know when's like all right i did everything i could here i've learned everything i can let's go let's 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 try my luck somewhere else well i think the, the goal, if you're a young person within that, um, that instance, like I was, um, to have a goal in your mind of like, if you know where you want to be, like I know where I want to be and what I want to do eventually, um, you have to just continue to try to move up. Like you can't, you may love a place and look, if you find that you're happy and you want to, you know, settle down somewhere in a specific spot, that's great. And if you are happy not getting to where you ultimately wanted to go when you were younger. Again, that's fine too. But have an idea in your mind of like, okay, how do I get here? How long do I want to be at each one of these stops uh, before I, you know, continue to move and try to try to get up to where I want to be? And like, I'm gonna be honest with you, like my employers know it now. Like that, like I, they they know I have high goals and high aspirations. And Chattanooga, Tennessee, is not the end all be all. Like they're not naive enough to know. And I think. Louisiana knew that as well, because coming in as like a, you know, a, you know, 27 year old and, you know, hopefully had some good talent and um, was good and ingratiated himself to the community. I had a goal of like, all right, within three to five years, like, let me establish myself. Let me get some good experience. Let me do some things. But what really happened for me is something that happened to everybody. And it was the pandemic where that allowed me to sort of take another step forward at the station. So I was doing the one hour show. I did that for like two and a half years, two and a half, two and three quarters, whatever it was. And, um, and then I ended up the pandemic hit and just like everybody else, you know, there were no sports going on. There wasn't a lot of business. Things weren't happening. So as a radio station, we're run on uh, revenue ad dollars and we weren't getting those anymore. So cuts had to happen and we let go of a, a good amount of people and like everybody on our station, except for three of us. And um, so there's three full-timers that were left. We had a bunch of other part-timers that would just do shows, but we had to cut all of them and it sucked. It was awful. Uh, but I was grateful that I was one of the three that got a chance to stay. And from there, my boss took the very morning show. Cause he's got like three young kids. Uh, he did like 7 AM to 9 AM. Then the other guy did from like nine to 11 or something like that, or nine to 12. And, and then they had another guy who was just like a contract guy who would do a one hour show every single day from two to three. And then I got bumped up to do three to six every day, the afternoon drive 
during the freaking pandemic when there's shit to <laughs> yeah. talk about. Who's driving too, right? Everyone was stuck at home for a couple months. True, so. true. But it's true, still true, incredible. True, true. That's the best experience, right? That's what everyone shoots for, drive time. Yeah, but it was the hardest point in in the world's history almost of like the pandemic where sports were shut down. So I had to get my bag and get really creative to try to figure out how am I going to try to entertain people for three hours? Because people need some sort of a, you know, an escape from what's going on in the real world. And I, you know, there's a lot of on my plate where everybody during the pandemic was staying home, slowing down, didn't have as much to do and things like that. Honestly, Mike, it was the opposite for me. Like I had I wrote never a book. been. You I wrote what? a book during the pandemic. So Did I you? Totally, yeah, I totally see where you're coming from. Nice. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, you can get uh, it online. It's a dollar on Amazon or just in the show notes. It's free. Anybody can go check it out. Uh, sorry. I'm didn't mean definitely shameless plug on my part, but. Do it. This is your show, dude. Yeah. Your show. Stop. <laughs> anyway, so drive time, three hours. Like, did you start doing like movie reviews? How many brackets did you do? Because, right, March Madness just got canceled. So I'm sure there was a lot of like my favorite restaurants in Lafayette. Like, here's my 64 person bracket. Like, like, how much, how much of that stuff did you do that just made you? just get as creative as possible because three hours is a long time there's only so many commercials right i'm sure you're like usually on a regular show you're like oh shit commercials are here i'm sure during those couple months you're like i can't wait just got to get to the commercial just got to get to the commercial yeah yeah it just really depended like i leaned on a bunch of guests honestly like i did some of my stone stuff and like i had people on and we would do brackets and drafts and stuff like that like you know, I think me and my two friends that were, they were LSU fans. One worked for a TV station, one worked for the newspaper. I had them on and they were big LSU guys. And we had like um, an LSU NFL draft. All the guys that were in the league that played at LSU were going to take an X amount of like one quarterback, an X amount of, you know, wide receivers, running back, tight And that end. was right after the national champ, right? The world ended right after LSU just romped uh, Clemson in the national championship game. So at least you had like some juices, I guess, to go off of. So that's nice. There you go. See, you're smart. Yeah. You're creative. Yeah. You know what you're doing. Trying, uh, trying. I, I do feel semi-responsible for the pandemic because in my mind before it happened, I said to myself, like, gee, like sometimes you just, you know, sometimes, Mike, you just feel like in a creative rut sometimes or you're just like, I, I kind of doing the same thing. I want to do something different. I want to be more creative. <laughs> I thought to myself, like, ah, I, I need to get more creative. And then Here you go. Yeah, that's funny. Get creative, bud. Yeah. There's no sports. To you want to get creative? Well, here, here's your here's your one here's your chance to be as creative as you can. That's funny. Yeah, it's not yeah. your fault though. By the way, I don't think the pandemic was your fault. I uh, know. I just. Yeah. I, just no, I get that. that. Yeah. That's funny. So another so that, big thing that another going. big thing that I did was uh, me and my buddy that was a bullpen catcher with the Raging Cajuns back when they went to the Super Regionals and they were really good in like 2014. He um he still lived in town. He's a huge baseball guy. And um so I was having him on to talk Raging Cajun baseball once a week. Obviously, when the season got canceled, I was like, I still want to talk baseball with you. I had this book. It was Rob Nyer's big book of baseball lineups. And it was from like 2006 or something like that. So the lineups were outdated by like 14 years. So I was like, Matt, like, let's go through every division and let's try to update these lineups based on like who's been good, who can we replace within these old lineups. So that was another thing that I just got really creative on. And we just, 
we did that. We did the last dance was huge. Like yeah. that carried us through every that single week cool. for however long that was. And uh, yeah, so it was tough. So like I did that for about a year, but at town square media, one of their big things was like, you had to write every single day. Like whenever you had an on-air shift, you had to write two articles every day. And then with us doing sports, like when sports came back, like on the weekends, there'd be stuff to write about the saints, LSU, Pelicans, um, the Raging Cajuns. Like we had to write game stories and things like that because we were the home of the Cajuns. And so like just the amount of writing, I'm going to be honest with you, like I'm more of a talker than a writer. And that is really what burnt me out was doing as much writing, trying to prep and host a three-hour radio show and then writing like two interesting articles every single day around that I had no life and I was my stress levels were like through the roof of like corporate was coming down on people of like that didn't write two articles every time they had not had an on-air shift and it got to a point where I was just like I love Lafayette I love Louisiana it's been great to me but I need something different like this is this is wearing me thin like and I had a I had a bad breakup like right before the pandemic as well. And I was going through a, a transition of like, hey, like, let's work on me. Let's work on mm-hmm. myself. I started to see a therapist and like that was huge in my life in terms of personally, professionally. If I didn't go to that therapist, like I don't think I would have made it through. Not that I would have done something stupid but like yeah, yeah, yeah. or crazy, but just like it was such a help to have somebody to talk to every single week and kind of get some things off my chest that I needed to and working on myself and things like that. So um, I learned a lot during that year of doing a, a drive time slot and having to get creative and, you know, learning about myself through a bad breakup and things that I didn't do right and, and, and things like that and kind of coming to terms with that and trying to figure that all out personally um, and professionally. And, you know, um, it was, it was a lot, but you know, at the end of the day, I just got really burnt out on honestly, just as much writing as I needed. They, they wanted us to do. And so I was like, you know, it's been about three and a half years. Like, let me start looking three to five. That's what you said. I love where I'm at. If I can't find anything, I'll keep, I'll keep pushing through it. It's, it is what it is. I'll, I'll do what I can. Uh, and hopefully like if, if it was going to come to a point, I was gonna have to have a conversation with my boss because it was the, the two articles was just killing me, uh, honestly. And um, so I was like, let me start like casually looking around. And I saw a couple of things that were interesting. And Chattanooga was one of them. I, I'd heard of Chattanooga, but never been there. And, you know, fired out a couple of resumes to a couple of different places, some real big, you know, name spots. Um, the one that I I was really trying hard for was there was a, a spot open on uh, to co-host an afternoon drive show in Charlotte. And my parents live in North Carolina. So I was like, oh, that's like perfect. That'd be sweet, yeah. I tried all that I could to try to get that that gig and it didn't work out. And it just so happened that, you know, Chattanooga really wanted me. And, um, you know, I did an interview with the operations manager, then the operations manager and, the you know, the, the GM of the building. And, you know, and my boss was out with COVID. So I didn't even really get to interview with him at all, with him at all. But I did jump on a phone call with him and, He's 33 at, at this point, and um, you know he's a year older than me. And he played baseball in college, big golf guy, and you know we just we seemed to mesh. And that was kind of the the ceiling moment for me. I was like, all right, like 
I want to do this. And he would made it clear that like I was his number one choice of guys that he wanted. And so I was like, all right, like, you know, they gave me a little bit more money and, you know, I, I wanted somewhere where I, writing wasn't the onus of everything. And I got that here in, in Chattanooga and it's been, it's been excellent. It's been a great experience. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. That it's just, it's such an interesting business, right? Because there is, it's the expectation is you will not be in one spot. Like the expectation is you're going to move. You're going to move around a lot, potentially all over the country. Right. I've talked to play by play guys. I've talked to other people that are on the radio. Very few of them have been like, yeah, I started here and I ended here. Like, or, or very few of them, not, not started here, ended here, started here, stayed here and ended here. That is just the, that's not going to happen in most situations. And it sounds like you've, since a young age, you were comfortable and understood that opportunity to eventually get back to that spot, which is up here in the Northeast sports capital of the world. Some might say, granted, we don't ever win championships anymore, which is a little frustrating, but one of these days, one of the best of the next, yeah, yeah. Jake's Jake's gonna, Jake's gonna get that world series MVP one day, but I hope how, so. how like, so you know where you want to go, you know where you are now, you understand a little bit of the process now of, of moving like once or twice throughout this whole thing. How do you like at what point do you say, fuck it? Like I'm going like I'm going back home. Like how do you like how do you like I don't even know how to ask the question? Like, how do you know that? Like when do you know to say, like, all right, I see there's a spot open at WFAN or ESPN New York or like one of these stations up here. You can go to Philly, talk with those I hate Philadelphia. How like how how do you that would be do- tough? Oh, dude, they would eat you a lot. You're a really nice guy. I think you're too nice. They'd probably. Eat I'm you in Braves really nice. country right now. That stinks. Uh, like, I hate the Braves. Braves fan. Who, I, I hate him too. But like, I've never heard a mean thing about a Braves fan. Like, whatever. Philly fans. Some of them down here. <laughs> That's a good point. All right, touche. Um, like, how do you? What? Like, how do you know when? Like, you you can get back there. Like, start going closer. Like, what is that? Like, what, what's your? You say so you had your three to five in Louisiana. What's your time? Not now, but like, what's your time? You want to kind of be back up here i guess well i I don't i i that's the thing like i don't know if there's like a set timetable it's it's got to be timing you know like there's got to be timing and opportunity they all have to sort of align and and mash up um at the right time like there's there's at no point i'm gonna be like all right i gotta just move back there you Mm -hmm. know like you know i'd like to be at um you know, at WFAN, like that's one of the dream jobs is like hosting my own show there on, on FAN. Like that would be enormous. And I'd be so happy if I could do that. Um, but part of me was like, I wouldn't mind if it was on like a national channel as well, like uh, an ESPN radio or a Sirius XM channel or something yep. in Los Angeles or something like that. Like my goal is to just try to move up market size. You know, mm-hmm. we were outside the top 100 with Louisiana. Now we're in the top, you know, 90. I think we're at 89 with Chattanooga or something like that. And then it's just let's get to, you know, the top 50 with our next move or something like that. Like, let's just continue to try to progress. If there's an opportunity that comes that allows me to jump the line and get right to the top or top five or New York or Los Angeles or a national show, like, so be it. But I have no control over that based other than just continue to do what I do try to make those connections. Um, you always keep your eyes open uh, for anything that, you know, becomes available. But like, I'm really happy where I'm at right now. Like I love Chattanooga. It's been a great city. It's been a great uh, opportunity here. I host noon to two uh, it's a different time slot than I've ever had in the midday. So I dealt with a really bad back issue that I'd get surgery on in August. Like, oh, so I'm just sort of like coming into my own, it seems like here where 
I'm really happy. And I, and I like the direction that this station's going and I want to continue to try to help them build to where I know they want to go and they can go. And they've given me plenty of opportunities to grow and build and do some really cool things here. So look, I just moved downtown with my girlfriend. It's the first time I've ever lived downtown or with a girlfriend. And, there you go. and now I have a girlfriend. So like, that's, that's another, you know, um, I don't want to say issue. Layer. But like, layer. Yeah. Layer. Definitely not an issue. Layer. No, it's not an issue. It's just a layer to where you go next. Like, you know, does she not want to go to like, if I get an opportunity in like Cleveland or something, say like, would she want to go and move to Cleveland? Probably not, you know, like, but you know, we got to do what we got to do when the opportunity arises. And like, she's been very cool about that. Like, yeah, like I love you. And like, I want to, you know, go with you and move with you and do these things. And I understand your dreams and your aspirations. So it's just a journey. Like I have no idea where we're going to go next, but I'm just enjoying and trying to enjoy where I'm at and helping this station be as great as it can possibly be. And just continuing to try to hone my skills each and every day because I'm so great that I get a chance to do what I do craft every single day. And that to me is the biggest thing. And I love the people that I get to talk to here and the teams that have a chance to cover. Like it's awesome. Love what you do. You'll never work a day in your life. That's right. It's the best way to think about it. I, so I've, I've been holding this back. We've been on here for over 90 minutes at this point. I actually hosted a show on Sirius XM for about a year. Um, Sunday nights. Nice. I can't remember. It was like, it was, yeah, it was like two hours on Sirius XM. I was on the fantasy sports radio uh, station. Didn't get paid to do it. I did it with a buddy of mine and I was hands down the most fun. <laughs> Callers would call in. Not too many people would call in. We'd bust chops. Mm -hmm. I got to go to the Sirius XM studios. Um, and then the pandemic happened. And so it was like my first show was the Chiefs Niners Super Bowl. So I worked like it was like three to five that day or something or three to seven. I can't remember. It was like right before the Super Bowl. So I showed up to the Super Bowl party late. It was the coolest thing, right? So I'm talking about Patrick Mahomes and the bets and the fantasy line, like you know, all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, like a month later, the world shuts down. My last I just went to New York City recently. But the last time I used to go all the time, the last time I was in the city was the day after the world shut down. So it was like that Sunday. It was Saturday where everyone was like, hey, like, stay at home for a couple weeks. And it was that that next day I was like, I mean, come on. That's really not that big a deal, right? So I go into the city. The entire place is empty. I accidentally drive through Times Square. I saw two people. It was wow. super eerie. Um, yeah. But then I went upstairs. I did the last show in the studio. And then I did the rest of them here mm -hmm. from my basement in front of this laptop with this microphone. So uh, it's just kind of funny how how all that worked out. But yeah, I was on, I was on a radio show and it was That's so awesome. much fun and I totally get why you love it and why you do it. Um, and you know, I respect the absolute grind out of it um, and what you've done. So hopefully we, let's get you on serious. I think you'd be great. National radio. Get that would be there, fun. Show your stuff. And that's, that's something that like I could do like on top of this, like yeah. on top of the station here, like you could do it remotely. It would be, I think it would be, it would be fun. Like obviously it would have to be a different day part or something like that or, you know, over the weekends or an overnight or something like that. But yeah, it would be, uh, that would be cool to do. Still something fun to do. Greg, this has been incredible. I sincerely appreciate your story. I appreciate you sharing every aspect of it. Really want to find out what happened to that girl you took to the wedding now. So I don't know if you can give us an update at some point in time. Maybe just, <laughs> well, shoot, just, shoot, just shoot me a message on the side. It's fine. I just want to know what she's up to. She was super okay. smart. She was super nice. Okay. 
she crashed a wedding. I mean, not too many people get the opportunity to crash a wedding in their life. So it's awesome that she did. I know she didn't crash it, but she kind of crashed it. But yeah, this, this is, yeah, she 100% did. Um, where can we find you? Where can we follow you online? Where can we find more information about you? Are you still doing some stuff on the side that we can listen to if we're not like super interested in what's going on in Tennessee? Like where, where can we find some more stuff about you online? So as you see my, my little picture there, my little uh, thing down below at G underscore ESPN chat, that's on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I'm trying to build up the TikTok a little bit here. Oh, and, good uh, for you. Yeah. Trying to do some little videos and trying to find something there. And, uh, you know, we usually, you know, post those over to, uh, to our Instagram, you know, reels and, you know, on Facebook, it's at the word with G. If you want to follow along there, I'll post some stuff up there, but you know, like I said, noon to two uh, is when we do our live show. If you care at all about Tennessee sports, I do talk national sports uh, as well and regional stuff. And you know, especially during the NFL season, we'll talk all types of NFL. Uh, we'll focus on the Falcons and the Titans, but we talk all kinds of NFL. I love fantasy football. We do multiple fantasy football shows during the uh, during the week. I've got Lisa Ann coming on with me every single nice. week on Fridays. Let's go, Lisa Ann. You love to see it. Yeah, she's been on with me. Her and I are like close. Like she's she's you know had me. Uh, I've had her on like the last three or four football seasons. Like it's been cool, kind of developing that relationship and and whatnot, and having her on. So you have that uh, new to two ESPN Chattanooga.com, the ESPN Chattanooga app. Uh, you can download that for free. And um, I also host a podcast uh, called the Chatted Up Podcast. That's C H A T T it up, Chatted Up. It's me and uh, two or three of my boys, uh, depending upon the day. And, you know, we I, I do my show of, you know, sports talk with a side of guy talk. And the the, the chatted up podcast is guy talk with a side of sports talk. Like nice. we try to focus on just shooting the shit with the boys and just having fun. And we're trying to incorporate some local guests here in the Tennessee area first. Like we just had Corey Guerin, who got drafted by the Braves, play for seven major league teams and um he came on with us uh, yesterday. Haven't posted that one yet, but that should be up here soon. By the time this drops, I assume it'll be up, and um, you can listen to that anywhere you get your podcast. Again, the Chatted Up podcast, and uh, that's some stuff where we just we'll talk our fun and we'll have some fun. Like we did a favorite movie, you know, baseball movie draft with a couple of my baseball friends that came on the podcast with me. It's just so we do some fun things, and it's uh, it's a good time, man. I love it, man. I'll make sure everything is in the show notes, uh, except the TikTok thing. I'm going to stay out of that, but everything else will be down in the show notes for, I'm yeah, I'm not about TikTok. It weirds me out, man. I don't, I'll put your, okay. I'll put mean, your, I mean, I was going to say, just I'll because you're link, not into yeah. TikTok I'll doesn't mean like not there. everybody right, else is. All right. All right. I'll put your link down there. Um, on, nobody the else's link. <laughs> but no, sincerely, Greg, this has been absolutely fantastic. Really, really appreciate you coming on, sharing some of your stories, sharing some insight with the people that are listening just because it's a grind, man. It's a grind. You're still going through it, right? Like you kind of quote unquote made it, but there's still so, so, so much more you get to do. Um, and again, you love what you do. You never work a day in your life. And I'm grateful that you finally got to the point where you can feel like that. And now you can really uh, spread your wings, right? You're a peacock. Just fly. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So, hey, look, um, the, 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 the peacocks did well in the NCAA tournament. Did they, huh? New Jersey, man. Yeah. Right, right down the road, kind of, uh, from where I am right now. Uh, not too far away. So it's pretty darn cool. But thank you, Greg. Thank you, everyone uh, listening. Thanks for giving me some of your time. It's the only thing we don't get any more of. So I really do appreciate that. But everybody, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. See you, everybody. Rock and roll.